Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, we discuss the top 10 signs that a narcissistic abuser is also a coercive controller. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse Q&A, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and today we are going to discuss the top 10 signs or categories that the narcissist in your life, the narcissistic abuser in your life, is also using coercive control. But before we get to that, if you want to be a guest on our Survivor Story episodes, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you will read all of our instructions, and you can either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our Guest Form and press the Submit button. And please do read all of the instructions and send it in the format that we ask for. Also, a big trigger warning for everyone on this episode, even though I am the only one here, I will be discussing physical abuse and sexual abuse, sexual assault in this episode. It is uh, brief, but it is in there, so a big trigger warning for everyone on this episode. So today we are going to discuss the top 10 signs and categories to know if your narcissistic abuser is also a coercive controller. So what is coercive control? A coercive control is a form of psychological abuse whereby the perpetrator carries out a pattern of controlling and manipulative behaviors within a relationship and exerts power over a victim. A course of control takes away an other person's freedom and ability to have a positive sense of self-worth, and this results in the victim feeling more dependent on the abuser, which then creates an ongoing cycle of controlling abuse. So course of control creates an invisible chain, which further oppresses the victim and works to limit a person's human rights by depriving them of their liberty and reducing their ability for action, and it's very similar as to be taken hostage. So if you are currently in a relationship right now where you are second-guessing yourself, if you're not sure if your fears are real or imagined, this list today will help you kind of decipher what is going on. So if you are in a toxic relationship right now, it, it is difficult to see things a lot of the time when you're so far deep into it. So hopefully this a list can uh, help you maneuver yourself out. And also for the people who have gone through uh, this kind of makes sense of, of what you're actually dealing with as well. Because course of control does uh, start to create self-doubt. That's one of the aspects of course of control. So it's very difficult to see in, in many cases. So the 10 signs uh, and categories of coercive control that we will 
be discussing today, we will also be having uh, sub-tactics as well underneath these categories too. And the first one up is isolation, isolating you from friends and family. Uh, The first step to gaining control over someone is using the divide and conquer. So getting you separated from other people uh, physically, but also in all sorts of communications as well. So abusers will often attempt to isolate you from your friends, family, any type of support system to achieve their control. So if your partner starts to say negative things about your family, that is not a good sign. And we've heard that a lot during our show, uh, during our Survivor Story episodes. And isolation is usually a step-by-step process. They like to plant ideas in your head until you believe that it is in your best interest to stay away from your family or ignore the warning signs of your friends. Uh, a manipulator might tell you that your family doesn't want to see you happy. They they might say that uh, they want to make uh, they, that they don't want you to make your own decisions. They want to keep you dependent on them. That they don't understand our relationship, and they really want to make you dependent on them. So they may directly criticize your family members or friends. They make you uncomfortable spending time with your family. They may shame you for being a bad judge of character. That might isolate you from people as well. How could you choose such friends? That's a big thing. And they might distort or twist information about your family and friends to change about how you think about them. And even when you have people over to your home, they might make things very unpleasant while those people are there. So the guests themselves decide not to return. And the reason for this is because the abuser wants you by yourself. They want you alone. They don't want other people's opinions of your relationship to get in the way. And anyone outside of them is a threat to them because those people might have an influence on you if you're the person that is being abused. And the abuser wants you to completely depend on them and have them be your only source or your main source of information. That's how they're trying to create this dependence. And they're creating this world in which they are the center of this universe And as we stated on our isolation episode, they're really trying to convince you that they are the truth teller and they are the truth teller of everything in many ways. And the abuser just wants you to follow along and only believe in them and what they have to say. So when you're trying to assess if you're being isolated, uh, think of things in the terms of is your partner Uh, making demands about uh, you not leaving the house? Are you allowed to have telephone conversations, email, social media? Are you allowed to exchange letters with other people? Are you allowed to spend time with other people? Are you allowed to have friendships, uh, relationships with all of your different family members? Are you allowed to do the hobbies or activities that you really like? Uh, Maybe join or be involved in organizations that you might have Maybe you were on a not-for-profit that, you, that you're not on anymore. You're not in that board anymore. So these are the types of things that you should start paying attention to. And I'm sure there are more ways that um, someone is trying to cut contact, but these are the, the main ones uh, that most people are dealing with. And number two on the list is monitoring. And that could be stalking, 
you know, you're not allowed to go it alone, checking all of your devices, your drawers, receipts, following you around, you're being monitored. So they're just trying to track your activity. And that can be through social media, tracking your pictures, monitoring your pictures, monitoring where you've been. They're just kind of peeking at everything. They could check your phone when you are uh, not looking at all. Uh, They might monitor where you're going, uh, who you're going out with for how long, uh, who you're talking to. In some cases, very extreme cases, they might install cameras in the house or they could put tracking devices in your car. We've heard that many times on the show. And I, I say it's an extreme circumstance, but I hear it a lot. And then while you're out, we hear a lot on the show that there are constant check-ins. They're monitoring where you are, who you're with. A lot of the times these things are done under the guise of safety and of love. It might seem loving, especially early on when these things are going on, that they have your best concerns at heart. But they're just trying to monitor uh, everything that is going on with your life, who you're with, what you're doing. And it's in a way, even though you feel like you might be out and doing something, it is slowly becoming a a prison because you're constantly doing these uh, check-ins and your autonomy is slowly being taken away from you by this, but you really don't know uh, that it's actually happening. And other things that they might do, you know, they might keep track of your computer use. They might check your clothing, your purse, your checkbook, your bank statements. They might look at your how many miles you have on your car, if you've increased them, where you've parked. They might look for things like that, little receipts within the car of timestamps of where you might have been and where you might have been if you're getting a little a ticket for your car for a parking. So another thing they might do is ask other people uh, where you've been, if you've if they've done anything with you, there sometimes they'll get other people to do the tracking or monitoring for them. Uh, you just don't know that that is actually going on. Up next is manipulation tactics, and under manipulation tactics, there are a lot of things when it comes to course of control. There's gaslighting, there's guilting, there's lying. Uh, there's withholding, there's you know, you no know, privacy, it's the silent treatment, there's tests of loyalty, there's a lot of things that are going under manipulation tactics when it comes to course of control. Obviously, the biggest one that you'll always hear is gaslighting. You know, if you're starting to second guess yourself, uh, that might be a thing because gaslighting is is subtle a lot of the time and it's causing you to question your own feelings and judgments and eventually your own sanity. Gaslighting techniques are meant to make you feel that things are all your fault, uh, that you are the one who is going crazy And the abuser convinces you that they have said things that they didn't or find things that weren't really there. So gaslighting is is a real big way to sow the seeds of of doubt in you, of reality in you, and it's crazy making. And it is kind of pushing you further into their world because if they did a really good job in the isolation department and they're seen as a truth teller, The gaslighting, you know, even if you're saying that this isn't feeling right, what's going on, they'll they'll be very good with distorting the reality. So you start believing what they are saying, which puts you further into a hole and further under their control. 
Guilt is a big one. You know, there's the fear, obligation, and guilt in the fog. And, and guilt is guilting you into doing things that you don't want, such as canceling plans, uh, quitting a job, you know, having sex with them. They could guilt you into doing that. They can just guilt you into doing uh, many things that you don't want to. And that's also a big manipulation tactic that will be used to keep you under control. Being constantly criticized is a big manipulation tactic amongst the many that would be under manipulation. And abusers often like to criticize and put you down either directly or indirectly because this will help you lose your confidence and then doubt your abilities. So you then again will look to your abuser to get the validation that you need. And when we hear that, the validation that you need, a lot of the time at the beginning of these relationships, they might actually butter up a lot of these things about you, the things that you need validation for, or you're being seen a lot of the times in the way that you want to be seen that maybe you never have been seen that way. And once that worth has been put into someone else's hands, they think to start criticizing that thing and take that away from you. They're pulling that rug underneath you. And because through the isolation, dependency has been created upon them and you're dependent on them, then when you're being criticized like this, it really takes its toll and you really start to lose your sense of yourself. And the only person that can give you that worth again is this person that you are with or or the only person that you think, and I do that in quotations, that can give you that worth is this person. And that's a really dangerous place to be because they're the person that's actually making everything worse because they have the power and control over you and nothing is in your hands anymore. The victim in this situation, uh, whatever they were receiving is they're, they're feeling that they are bad, that you're defective in some way and that there's something inherently wrong with who you are. And that is just a really big, big step for coercive control to take hold when they have you feeling uh, like this, that you are inherently, that there's something inherently wrong with who you are. That's not a, a great place to be. So there's a lot of other tactics that could go under manipulation, but you know the manipulation category as a whole, if, you, if you're being manipulated in, in different ways, then that's a big sign and a category for a course of control. So up next, we have depriving you of basic needs, your freedom, and access to help. And basic needs can be sleep. It can be food. It can be water, shelter, safety, comfort, stability, validation, basic needs that people have. And when an abuser uh, starts controlling you by denying you your freedom, they are essentially trying to really break your identity and that you no longer see and do things that you used to that made you happy. Uh, they want your world to become as small as possible so that they can become as big and as powerful as possible so they can exert their control. Any other thing that a and a, a coercive controller will try to deprive you of is your access to help. So with this, if your partner is trying to prevent you from seeking any type of help, including medical assistance, police, a lawyer, talking to your landlord, and they also might push you to do things that are against the law or commit crimes uh, as well. So they're just trying to deprive you of your freedom 
your help in a lot of your basic needs. And number five on the list is micromanaging and setting rules. And this can be about a lot of different things. It can be rules about dress, hygiene, food, internet, friends, cooking, cleaning, uh, saying things that you have mutual rules like I'll always, we'll always put each other first. Uh, and then there are impossible rules like uh, anticipating their needs. They want you to anticipate their needs, which is impossible, especially if they're continuously changing. So there's a lot of micromanaging, setting rules. This is this category. And they might force you to live by their rules. So with a course of controller, they'll be forcing you to live by their rules. And that means that you know, it's their way or the highway and you are scared of their reaction if you don't live by those rules. And that's how you know coercive control could be going on. And abusers want it their own way. And you, as a victim of this type of abuse, of course, of control, feel like you are always walking around on eggshells. And we've heard that a lot on the show. I'm sure everyone who's listening has experienced this, that you'll be walking on eggshells to make sure that you're doing everything to make your abuser happy because you're really afraid. You're deathly afraid of the reaction when those things uh, aren't done, when the rules that they want to live by aren't being done the reaction of, you know, the fear of what might happen uh, if those things aren't done the way they want will will kind of keep you in line and keep you in control. And also here is, you know, they'll be micromanaging or policing your personal activities. If they tell you how to dress or where to go, this becomes a really big sign of coercive control, that they are telling you how you have to dress, that they are telling you where you have to go. So victims become conditioned to what the abuser wants uh, when it comes to, you know, clothes here, eating, where you have to go, sleeping. That's when you as a victim start to lose your identity and the capacity to make decisions on your own when they really start to get into the micromanaging of your daily activities, of your personal activities, of these little tiny things about your life that you should have autonomy to do yourself, that is your basic human right to have autonomy to make all of these choices, but they're getting really involved setting these rules and micromanaging these uh, situations. And this type of behavior and control can really break you down where you're no longer capable after a very long time of dealing with this uh, to think for yourself. And eventually, you know, if this goes on for a very, very long period of time, you as the victim really might feel that you need the abuser, the course of control in your life because you no longer know how to live without them because they're telling you how to live for so long that once it's gone on for a very long period of time, it's very hard to see outside of that. So if this is happening to you right now and you're resonating with this, then you're in a course of controlling situation. So other things that they 
might micromanage you on or be really overly involved with is, you know, taking care of the house, which could become a really big issue. All the little tiny things when it comes to taking care of the house, that would be a big issue, actually. Uh, Maybe things that you're reading, they don't want you to read and they'll micromanage that. Television, radio, internet, podcasts. I'm sure they do not want you to listen to a podcast uh, like this. They'll kind of also get there on maybe your hobbies and other interests. And then Possibly hygiene as well, makeup and and how you are are looking, your grooming situation as well. But another big one is your health and your body. And this can be to, this can be eating, uh, making demands about your weight, uh, making demands about sleeping, um, how you use the bathroom. Are they blocking you from taking specific prescription drugs that you need? Are they blocking you from exercising? Are they pushing you to take anything? Are they pushing you to take alcohol or take drugs? Or are they pushing you to get like body modifications such as tattoos or things like breast implants or liposuctions or facelifts or cosmetic surgery? Are they also pushing you to stop seeing a therapist? If these things are happening and a lot of these things are happening, then you're in a course of control situation. And if you resonate with a lot uh, that is being said specifically in in this area right here, then uh, please do try to reach out uh, to anyone like an agency uh, for support um, and anywhere you can online support groups as well, if you're able to safely. Up next on our list, we have financial abuse, controlling your finances, your resources, education, work, and money. So this is a really big one because of many of the reasons why people can't leave coercive control, abusive relationships. It's because of financial abuse. And abusers just want to trap you so that you feel that you have no way out and you have to stay with them Uh, no matter what. And finances become a really, really big thing. Uh, Education becomes a big thing and work becomes a big thing. So things that uh, can occur in this category is you're made to give up your job so you don't have any income. Your partner has access to your money, but you don't have access to theirs. Your partner actually spends your money, but you don't know how much they earn. Uh, You might have a joint account with your partner, but they're watching every move and keeping tabs of that account, and that can go also in the monitoring category as well. Uh, You're giving cash for individual purchases, and you have to provide receipts and change. Uh, Your money goes directly to your partner, and you have no idea how it is spent. Uh, Your money goes on regular bills, and their money just goes to other stuff. Find out that you have very little left for extras each month, but somehow your partner can buy anything that they want. We've heard that a lot on the show. You bought a house and they managed to get their name on the deed. Uh, Your money or savings were spent at the start of the relationship on holidays, expensive activities, possibly the wedding, often before you realize that your partner was not as well off as they made themselves out to be. You might have lent money to your partner and there's always some excuse of why they can't pay you back. And when your partner has assumed control of the finances, it was presented to you in a way that seemed reasonable and that you could felt that you couldn't really object to any of it at all. 
and other things that might go on here is just, you know, interfering with work, uh, getting in a way of work can get you fired from your jobs, getting in the way of your education in all aspects, maybe telling you to quit school, that you have other duties to do at the home, or just kind of saying that they might have enough money to take care of both of you. So you don't need an education. You don't need a job. I have this. Any type of scenario where they're trying to make you rely on them and possibly their job where you don't have to work anymore is not a good situation to to be in. Having a job yourself, having your own way of making money is always a healthy thing to do. And they also might try to ruin your credit score, your credit history. Those are our big things. And then also a big thing here is access to vehicles, because if you can't access a vehicle, sometimes it's hard to get to school. Sometimes you can't get to work. It gets in the way of that. So when things with the vehicle are happening, where they're trying to kind of take away your ability to get from place to place, uh, where you're not able to get your car or public transportation as well, and that could be money for public transportation, that is a big warning sign as well that you are in a coercive control uh, situation. Number seven on this list is for the people that have children, because children become a really big part of a coercive control for for people that have uh, families with kids. And these things can come out as convincing your child to reject you or disobey you without legitimate reason. Uh, They know this will help sabotage your relationship with your kids, but it reinforces the abuser as the top dog uh, in, in this family. It gives them that position uh, by, by doing that. It's like kind of like a parental alienation. It's a smear campaign where the abuser really tries to turn uh, your children against you and make you feel more isolated than you already were. And it's also done to convince you that you are even more of a problem than you than you actually are because you're not the problem. They're just convincing you that you are. But within the family situation, I've heard it many times on the show that there's kind of so much beating down of the victim in this situation and the things that the parent is saying, the abuser is saying, the course of controller is saying out loud, they're saying these things like you're not competent, that you're not smart, that you're not this, that you're not that. And the kids start to believe those things as well. And then in, in the aftermath of these relationships, what you eventually do start to hear, uh, or you hope to start to hear, is that when the parent tries to, or, or when the parent starts proving all of these things wrong, not by telling the children that this isn't the truth, but by doing it through acts that I am a competent person, that I am able to do this, the children will hopefully see that everything that the coercive controller has been saying has been a lie the whole entire time. But when it comes to children, the other things that might be going on, does your partner threaten to call social services on you saying that you're neglecting your kids or threaten to take custody of your children if you try to leave the relationship. That is a really big one. Uh, Do they mistreat the children and then blame it on your parenting as well? These are the types of things that you might be hearing when it comes to course of control in children. So if you've heard these things or these things are happening, then this is a course of control situation. Number eight on the list is 
your sexual relationship and intimacy and regulating everything. So we've heard sexual coercion on the show before, like sex on demand, forced sex, forced to have multiple partners, uh, humiliating acts. And then sometimes we also hear recording sex and that can be done with malicious intent in the background, you know, possible distributing it on the internet or using it as, as blackmail, also refusing contraception as well. And, you know, this is all about uh, power and control. And when a course of controller is, is doing this, they just believe that they have the right to do whatever they please, whatever they want. And they don't see you as a human being here. They're not seeing you as a human being at all with any rights. And you do have rights and you are a human being. And, you've, and if you've gone through this specifically, you've done nothing wrong. And what's happened is terrible and you have nothing to be ashamed of. You, you were in a relationship uh, with an abuser and a coercive uh, controller. And up next, we have making you feel afraid, threats, intimidation, stomping, slamming, throwing things, hurting pets, driving fast, breaking things, damaging your property. And fear is a huge weapon in the arsenal of a coercive controller. And they just have a coercive controller just has so much ability to create fear in a victim and a lot of the time a victim can't even tell you exactly what they are afraid of anymore they just know that if they don't do things or say things in a certain way that bad things could happen and that's the temper the the loss of control of the person who is the manipulator in the situation, who is the course of controller in the situation. Um, you're, you're afraid of their, their disapproval because of the dependency that was created. You, you fear making your own decisions a lot because you're, you're afraid of what's going to happen. You're afraid of upsetting the abuser, the course of controller. You know, threats are a big part of course of control. The biggest one could be the threat of leaving, even you're the one that needs to leave, but a big threat on, on their end is the threat of them leaving because you now depend on them so much you don't know what you would do without them. And if they do threaten to leave, a lot of the time you will say that you'll do whatever they want in order to keep the relationship intact. So threats are... A big thing and it doesn't have to be a physical threat in that way or a physical threat obviously can 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 give you fear but there's also the threat of taking everything away from you and, and threats are uh, just a way of the abuser to get what they want and especially violent threats they, they can use to get whatever they want and they do it to intimidate you to make you scared and you'll do anything to ensure your your safety, your family's safety. And once an abuser knows that, that the fear tactics can work, the intimidation can work, slamming things can work, throwing things can work. Once that kind of fear-based stuff can work, uh, they know that they kind of really have you in this spot and they know that if they can keep doing it, they'll ensure that you'll stay. And other ways that they'll put fear in you is by swearing, name-calling, insulting, uh, getting too close to you, standing too close to you, putting like their face to your face, 
Uh, they could throw things, kick things, punch things. Refusing to speak to you as well uh, is, is a way, is a, a bit of a threat, you know, kind of pulling away in that way, thinking that the relationship might be over is a threat and, and puts fear in you as well. They could threaten to reveal private information to others. That could be a blackmail sort of thing that might be going on, especially if there comes to specific videos. But they also might threaten to say that you said something about someone else that would make you look bad uh, in front of others. They might threaten to hurt you financially. They might threaten legal trouble against you. They might threaten that you'll lose your job, that you'll lose your home. And they can also do the threats when it comes to your physical safety as well. Maybe your pet safety, maybe your child's safety, and maybe they'll threaten that they'll take their own life as as well. So these are all big signs of coercive control when it comes to the category of making you feel afraid, uh, intimidation, and, and threats. So up next is number 10. It's the last one on our list, and that is punishing or harming you and physical aggression. And most people think of physical aggression as pushing, slaps, grabbing, shaking, pulling hair. It can be rough, unwanted sex. Um, You know, they could try and take your life. Uh, Choking, smothering, things like uh, that, where there's actual physical stuff kind of going on, where you're feeling it on your body or on someone else's body that might be happening. But uh, because it could, they might try and do that to your children or maybe a pet as well, or maybe a loved one. That is not your children or your pet, but could be a family, a friend, family member, things like that. But other ways that they might be punishing you or harming you could be hurting you financially, a legal trouble that might be going on. They might make you lose your job. Uh, they might make you lose your housing. They might damage your home. They might damage your belongings. Uh, these things might be happening where it's not just a physical aggression, but it is punishing you and it is harming you and it is course of control. All these things are a course of control and this is a course of control and it's the last one on our list. So if you are uh, experiencing course of control and you really resonate with all these things on our list here of course of control signs and these categories. Um, try to keep a, a journal and make notes. If you start seeing signs of course of behavior and relationships, start writing these things down. Keep a journal. Also keep screen grabs. If you can, text messages, pictures, letters, anything that you might need in the future. Uh, Don't be afraid to ask for help, but please do it safely. So uh, call your local domestic violence agencies. Go online if you can, if you're not being monitored, and join some support groups if it is possible. Uh, Get an advocate if you can, and confide in people as well if you can. Uh, Don't be afraid to ask for help. Leaving an abuser abuser is very difficult to do, and uh, getting as much support as you can uh, is is imperative, and to, to reach out to who Wherever you have to do it, but again, do it as safely as possible. Also, when you're planning your escape, this is another thing. Uh, when you're trying to leave the relationship, start collecting all the important documentation that you have, such as passports, bank details, sorry, bank details, birth certificates. Hide them or give them to someone that you trust for for safekeeping, and also have an emergency bag uh, available, which contains clothes for as many people in your household as as possible. 
Also have a list of phone numbers just in case you have to leave your phone uh, there because a phone can obviously be be tracked and things like that. So just be as safe as possible and any money that you can scrounge up, take it with you as, as well. So this is our episode on coercive control. And if you're in a relationship with a narcissistic abuser, this is how you know that you are also in a coercive controlling relationship. And I hope this episode was helpful for you. And if you want to be a guest on our show, on our Survivor Story shows, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. There you will see all of these instructions. Please do read all the instructions. And either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or fill out our guest form and press the submit button. And please do read all the instructions and send it to us in the format that we ask for. Also at our website, we have our very own safe social network support group at the top of the page at NarcissistApocalypse.com is our support group button. Click on that and it takes you to our support group. And there you will find that we have, that we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night. Thursday afternoons and Saturday nights. We also have forum boards for you to post on, for you to get validation for what you're going through and for your fellow survivors to uh, be there for you and support you. And it's a great community of people. So please do join our support group today. And if you need even more support, please do visit our friends at domesticshelters.org. There they have articles and resources to help you make sense of what you're dealing with. And they have every phone number, every website address, and every email address for every shelter, no matter how big or how small the town you're from is, they have it there at domesticshelters.org. So please do go visit them today. It is a wonderful organization. They will help you tremendously get in touch with the people that can get you out safely. So please do go visit domesticshelters.org. So that is it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I hope you have a good night.